<clears throat> Harumph. What seems to be the matter there, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're wearing a jock strap on your head. This is normal. Yeah, I can't tell the difference. I feel this is a good look for me. It is. Most people that never. Oh, wow. There's five people here already. All right. We can't screw around. We got to go right to the intro. All right. Let's go. Cover to Covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length, and occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up, and they will be smarter than the hosts, and the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that. Opinions. They are not truths, they are not fallacies, and they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ. So with that, just enjoy the damn show. I have fixed my hat. I thought it looked better the other way. You know, you're just about as bad as Mark Heim, who's making unkind comments. Hey, uh, you know, it's funny you would say that because I'm actually related to Mark Heim. So. Well, then that answers a whole lot of questions for me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you didn't even watch the intro. I did watch the intro. Did you see the moose? I didn't see a moose, but I, I was going to bring up the fact that why I, I'm shocked that my picture with Paul Reed Smith keeps staying in the in well, the intro. He's an influence on you, is he not? He is. So then that works for this week's uh, this week's episode. I would say he's an influence on uh, you as well. He's an influence on escalating the price of guitars in the electric guitar world. Yes, there you go. So therefore, he's an influence on our daily lives. Yes. Yes. There we go. Yes. He influenced toast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought that was uh, Edison. Uh, no, he no. No, it wasn't. No. no. Okay. No, Paul Reed Smith. Why are we getting things <laughs> like this happening already? Damn this FB chat going go to YouTube chat. Well, you should be in YouTube. Anyway. No, it says damn is this FB chat. Damn, damn is this FB chat going go to YouTube chat. <laughs> oh, me, John, big tree. <laughs> Let's already. Okay. Mark Well, Mark I'm saying, uh, obviously you got, you are going to pontificate on the Beatles. How <laughs> oh, could thought, you I not? You wanted to say that he, you know, that how could you not? Which is Pat, why I told him he was wrong. So I, even though he's not, but he's, you know, and Pat brings up a good point, which I'm sure we will, uh, we, we will, will uh, touch on that. These topics. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Am I sounding all right? Yeah. You sound great. Okay. St Stephanie's having a hell of a time in the uh, chat. She wants you to fix something. But this is what, what, where, what happened Look, now? Next it comment. Takes me next to comment. FB every time. Fix that mic. 
also you're in Roger's way. Okay, so listen, that's because what happens, the main link on Facebook is the Facebook feed. I put in the comments the YouTube link. If you have an issue with that, go scratch. You just want to drive the YouTube down everyone's throat. I do, because I hate when this is on Facebook and, and people like, because it doesn't count towards f YouTube views. And right. we want to, you know, we can't get like a crowd going or a following if we don't have people on YouTube. And we don't know how many that is unless it's on YouTube. That's so right true. now we have 10 people watching. So thank all 10 of you. Mabo Fabi, this is exactly what today's episode is all about. What this person forgot is the Sabnaba end portion. So it's Mabo Fab. Actually, it's Mabo Fab Wabi Sabnaba is the actual full sentence, and he messed it up. Uh, the link doesn't show for YouTube. One sec, let me look. Maybe you should see it should be the other way around. This is her first sentence, and then this is her second sentence. You should look first, please. Thank you. And then it's also on my personal page and you're a friend, so you could find it on my personal page. There's that. Anyhow. Anyhow. Welcome back to another exciting, action-packed, fun-filled episode of Cover to Covered. My name is Mike. That is Nick. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile and Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com and all social media platforms. What's happening, baby? <laughs> See, what you need is you need some sort of like Rock City Music Company jingle that's sung by Gall McCartney, who surprisingly is not here. Oh, he's um, uh, he's probably there. He just hasn't said anything yet. Uh, which which we're all probably happier for. Uh, actually, this is this is something that he might say. So that would be more along the lines of what you we know, would expect out of here. For, for the jingle, what we need to do is just have Gall McCartney sing Rock City by Riot. That, Rock that would City! Work. Rock yeah. City! <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> oh boy i'm on one today guys and so is nick for that matter obviously i'm i don't know i'm in a good mood and i really don't know why yeah i don't know um, why either yeah it's nothing to be in a good mood about there really isn't <laughs> there really isn't but here we are nonetheless you know why it's because we have nine people at six minutes in all right so that means we, we already to, like, went get... down we were at 10 yeah, now we we're already at 10, at nine. so we lost one. i think i think that was probably your mom said no i'm out Yep. Uh, or maybe it was Snowball uh, after I gave him the tongue lashing with the Mabo Fabwabi Sabnaba, um, which is a very it's so far inside. It's outside again. That's 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 how inside that joke is. Anyway, um, excuse me. Uh, Roger, are you here, buddy? He's somewhere. He's doing something. He's, something. <laughs> he he's not away. supposed to. Yeah, exactly. When I try to show my camera, he's like, what? Daddy wants to play. OK, I'm going to come down now. Um so nick yes what are you listening to buddy um okay so paul mccartney ram but the mono version so you only hear it out of one speaker no that's not true <laughs> well if you listen to it out of one speaker it would sound the same as if you listened to it out of two speakers yeah that's true but it sounds kind of cool with two speakers that's such a great record and it uh, is and uh i didn't realize i'm I'm reading this McCartney legacy book right now. And uh, I didn't realize how like critically it was hated when it came out. 
people were like, oh, Paul's past is prime. He can't do anything without John Lennon. This record's so forgettable, blah, blah, blah. And it's like probably his best solo record. So it's kind of crazy how things age. Um, but yeah, the mono version of that, Def Leppard High and Dry. Aha. Yeah. And nice. and to celebrate uh Grateful Dead 5877 from Cornell University. Ah, la, 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 la. I am not listening to you anymore. We are not celebrating this. No matter what you say. Yes, it was supposedly the best Grateful Dead concert show ever. Depends on who you ask. Well, according to the people that were on drugs, they're all the best shows. (laughs) (laughs) You're uh, our mutual friend, Nick. uh, He's one of the people that believes the theory that that show never even happened. (laughs) There's a theory. All right. Now, I I am interested in conspiracy theories. This is like, why would people think the show didn't happen? I don't know, because it was a sold out show in front of like 6,000 people. And there was a book written about it with people being interviewed who were there and everything. But um, there's a theory. Well, there's two theories. Of course, the crazy stoned out hippie version is that the CIA uh, made that show up and that it didn't happen. The deadhead theory is that somebody made that tape man that was getting traded around in circles but uh no it really happened and dead and company which if you're unaware is the new newest incarnation of the grateful dead final uh, incarnation well no we don't know that they're gonna be done after this they're gonna be done after this but who's to say that uh two of them aren't gonna carry on or something what john mayer i hope so because mayer is fucking incredible in this but uh you just think he's pretty well that's beside the point um but they played at uh cornell on monday in celebration of the 46th anniversary of the show yeah because 46 is a very significant anniversary well they were going to do it for the um no that still wouldn't work i was going to say i thought they were going to do it for they, they they had plans to do this and then COVID happened so okay I, it did get scooted, but it still would have been. It would have been then on the 43rd anniversary. Hey, Paul McCartney thinks that people like the, 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 the May 9th show of 1977 yeah. more. Well, May 9th had uh, helped slip Frank, which uh, it wasn't played on 5-8. But 5-8 had morning due. So well, that's just phenomenal. And 5-9 had the other one, too. You know what? Um, I think one day we'll do a Grateful Dead show and I'll just nap for 90 minutes and then punch myself in the face repeatedly to close it out. How about that? You could do uh, uh, This Song Sucks is the entire episode. Yeah, it'll just be like, all right, starting with the first song in the Grateful Dead catalog. <laughs> and here's, here's the best thing, though, real quick that I want to touch on about John Mayer being in... Uh, the Grateful Dead. Let's just call it the Grateful Dead. Um, <laughs> he's such an accomplished musician and such a great guitar player. And he's up there with Bob Weir, who is also or was an accomplished musician. But now he's just fried. Yes, and you completely. Can, and you can tell that, like, they'll get into these jam parts and Mayer's just killing it. Right. He's just in the zone. And then all of a sudden you'll just hear Bob Weir just yank, yank, just just cutting behind everything and mayor's looking at him with this look on his face like what are you doing what the fuck are you doing can you just go stand in the corner 
Because John Mayer is a musician and Bob Weir is a crispy corn nugget. That's pretty much it. It's like it would sound better if Gall McCartney was actually t- playing the part of Bob Weir with a juice harp. Like, that would be like that's all we got to see is like Gall McCartney. That would be better than Bob Weir now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some great, great uh, lines in the last few years about Bob Weir. Just uh, he's just he's just crispy. He's just he is. done. He's, he's been the, done for thirty years. But yeah, but um, he's he'll continue on after Dead and Company with Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers. Well, that's another show I won't be going to. <laughs> nor will my listening habits change. You you don't know what you're missing. But, and I'm going to keep it that way. It's going to remain a secret because. You know, I just wait. Will they be having a live concert on the Who Gives a Shit channel? Because then, <laughs> maybe then, I might care possibly less. Because you give a shit? No, I, I actually don't. I don't. Uh, all right. What are so you what listening I, to? Well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, actually, today it's it's right there. I've been listening to OK Computer. Ah, uh, today. OK, computer is good working from home music because um, it's kind of atmospheric and it works really well. But then I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I wound up finding a copy of this on vinyl. And this Sap. made me very happy to find this one on vinyl. Is that uh, the music on vinyl version or is that an it OG? Is, yeah, it's the it's the record store day music on vinyl okay. version. If it was an OG, please. Yep. I mean, that, that'll cost like 300 bucks. But. It's really cool because it's got the Allison Chains etching on the back side of it. Sweet. All the songs are on one side. So, but I thought that was a pretty cool affect to that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in it's in mint condition. So, I don't remember that coming out. That had to be a while ago on Record Store Day. It was. I think it was 2019 or 2020, something like that. 2018, 2019, okay. 2020, somewhere right around there. And it's got it. It it still is the hype sticker. Like whoever had this before I bought it actually cut out the hype sticker out of the. Um, out of the uh, cellophane and left it in there. So I do have it. I do that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have that with my uh, kiss, um, my kiss uh, uh, guitar case box set. <laughs> like, cause there's no way you can leave the shrink wrap on that. <laughs> no. So. Right. Yeah. You can't get it open. Right. Cool. Well, that's what uh, I guess we're kind of listening to now. But what's coming out this week? Anything cool coming out on Friday that we should know about? Yeah. A couple things. Uh, the cult. Their self-titled album, The Cult, which I think was like, what, 93, 94, something like that? It's the one after Ceremony. I think it was actually earlier than that. But anyways, it's being reissued on indie-exclusive white vinyl. Hasn't been in print in a very long time. So I know some folks are excited about that one, me included. 94. 94, 94. okay. Um, Yeah, sort of a return to the straight. If you you like electric... um, cult the album electric yeah. by the cult uh <laughs> they've always played electric. i was gonna say that yeah there's no acoustic <laughs> cult luckily um but yeah if you like the electric album uh you like the self-titled cult album so that's coming out uh daft punk random access memories can you believe there's already a 10th anniversary edition of this it's been 10 years since that record came out jeez uh, this is a triple LP featuring demos, outtakes, of course, the original album, and a poster. 
And also coming out, uh, looks like Motorhead is moving through their catalog again because 1916 came out last month. And this month we're getting Motorizer and Kiss of Death, which if you haven't heard Motorhead Motorizer, I think it came out in 08. It was like 07 or 08. Awesome Motorhead album. It sounds like all the other Motorhead records, which is exactly what you want. <laughs> That's but, like saying, like, the last, hey, if you didn't buy the last ACDC album, oh, boy, are you in for something the same? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's, <laughs> there's like, five killer tracks on that motor uh, on Motorizer, and it's got one of my favorite Lemmy lines on it. He says, uh, I forget what song it said, but he says, uh, if you want to get your hands on a pretty girl, you got to have a MasterCard. I know some people that haven't spoken to a woman without giving a credit card number first. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Let me always do such a wordsmith. His best line ever is in Dr. Rock when he says, chin up, shoulders back. You got a body like a Marshall stack. Which we always said in the band, the band van, what does that mean? She's yeah. tall and square and yeah, a box. Like she's like, she can, she's loud. Like yeah, she, right. Her body is loud. <laughs> right. uh, I, don't question lemmy built solid uh heavy heavy uh, (laughs) unsellable now oh here we go another country heard from jeff henderson says motorhead blows ass which of course he would know how to do that because he blows everything else does he like anything yeah he likes kick tracy and vane okay that's kind of it all right well and three other songs by by Death Angel. Oh, Death Angel's great. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll wait. Well, let's wait for the next comment because you know it's coming soon because we have the yep. delay and everything. And he's typing furiously right now as he just heard us ragging on him. So in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, wow. I don't know what happened. That's maybe weird. he tuned I, out already. Yeah, maybe he was just like, no, nah, this is my thing. And I'm out of here. I bet you he's a big Grateful Dead fan. I can assure you he's not. <laughs> so, because nobody should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. All right. He signed on uh, on another with a different color uh, <laughs> J because this was the original J and now he's with the pink J. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, and this right here proves that all of his taste in his mouth because the first band he put is Triumph. You know, probably probably the, the seventh best Canadian trio. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what about Fight the Good Fight? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good song by the seventh best, seventh best Canadian trio. Just saying. All right, moving on. Uh, what else is coming out? <laughs> what else is coming out? That's it. I only oh, pulled okay. those. I only pulled. Oh, well, if you're a country fan, uh, Morgan Whalen has a new album coming out, or Wallen, however you say it. Wallen. Uh, yeah, I, I it's for every I don't know anything about that guy other than he's always in the news for doing something stupid. So. He really is. <laughs> and it's always like anti-Semitic or racist. It's like, oh, nice. There's, there's That's no, really good. There's not or like, you know, misogynistic or something. I I just stopped listening because people still wind up liking him. So I'm just like, whatever it is, what it is. Um, so, yeah, go Morgan Wallen um yeah he's great. got a new record coming out that's all okay that's all i got to say everybody go out and don't buy it yeah don't buy that actually i can't say that uh, we want it we want to support music i don't care who you are so 
Uh, cool. All right. So let's get into the meat of the matter here. Um, oh, what about wait. the heart of the matter by Don Henley? That's one of your favorites. <laughs> there is one thing I do want to bring up, uh, and I got to see if I can find the article. Um, uh, th- this guy is my hero right now. So uh, where is it? There's a whole article on it. Damn it. There we go. So, yeah, this is in Fortune magazine. And Snoop Dogg is my absolute hero right now. Uh, he was actually being interviewed by the director, uh, former director of Apple Music. And, you know, Apple Music is a streaming service. And Snoop Dogg went completely off the rails and just smacked down streaming and how much it affects musicians in such a negative way. And he is my absolute hero. He says, the music industry is not working anymore because of streaming. And he is 100% right. We've talked about things like that on this show before. Like, why are concerts so expensive? Because people, artists can't make money with CDs or albums. You know, they're not getting paid for physical media because nobody's buying it because they're all streaming it. And they're getting paid what is it like one ten thousandth of a cent per play yeah, or some like stupid that, yeah. thing like that? So again, if you want to support music, go out there, buy the record, buy the CD, buy the cassette because those are popping up again here and there. Uh, they shouldn't, yeah, but they yeah. are. You know, of the three, that's the worst. Yes, Let, let's establish that at this point. <laughs> of the three, that's the worst because it kind of makes no sense. So. But yes, he's my absolute hero for calling that out and not only calling that out, calling it out to the former head of Apple Music in an interview. That's great. This is another one. Buy merch as well. Yes. The thing is, even merch is getting kind of out of hand with its pricing, especially at concerts, because 30 percent of it is going to the venue. Thank you. So if not more, if not more, most of the time, it's the 30 percent, 70, 30 split most of the time. But uh, yeah, like that's ridiculous too. just buy the damn album. Let's let's all do this. Let's, let's all buy music. Yep. <laughs> right. Let's just all buy music. Buy the album new in a store. Support stores like Nick's when you're doing that. Support the artists by doing that. Support the music industry, even though it is sort of an evil empire at times. You got to support it because without that, without that infrastructure, there are no concerts. There is no fun. Right. Right. You know, I mean, I'll admit I subscribe to Apple Music. I also buy tons of records. Yeah, I'm not say, I'm not saying that because there is there is a convenience of course to streaming and especially being able to check things out. I don't think there was anything wrong with that, but it, it it's it, yeah, it's like how you said if if you really love the artist, you love that album, go actually buy it. Don't just listen to yeah. it on your phone. And plus it sounds like shit too on your phone, by yeah, the way. It gets compressed to high heaven. Yes. Digital compression screws with the way that you actually hear the music. It's not as it's intended. You know, it sounds good. Yep. Obviously good enough, you know, but it's not going to sound like if you put on a record or if you put on a CD or God forbid, a cassette. Uh, It's just different, you know. Yes. Streaming might sound better than your cassette. Actually, you're right. Uh, (laughs) But at least you could buy the physical cassette, you know, that that makes me happy if you if you're able to support. So, again, I, I really applaud Snoop Dogg for calling out the whole, you know, the whole streaming industry because streaming if you look back at the way the contracts were written streaming was like a supplement and it was based upon artists getting paid off physical sales and that hasn't changed 
or at least the contracts have not changed, but the way people take in music has. Yes. And that's really affected all the artists in the music industry. You know, we complain on this show all the time about how much, you know, how much it costs to go to a concert all the time fees, et cetera, and so forth, right? Aerosmith, that's the new one. Everybody's blowing up about Aerosmith yeah. charging, how much they're charging for shows. It's it's $4,000 for a VIP nice. thing, right? It's like insanity. Uh, uh, sidebar, uh, if you want to spend $4,000, you can actually go to the Holy Land with Striper for that much yeah. money. Yeah, just just want to throw that in. Yeah, they will take you to, to, to Tel Aviv. You know, they'll take you to Israel and show you to hell with the devil. Yes. Uh, in person. For five uh, days. Striper five will days. take you across the world for a five-day all-inclusive vacation for the same amount of money Steven Tyler and Joe Perry are charging for a photo. Yeah. So, and kiss before anybody is, says anything. With the, with the Striper deal, there is one caveat. You have to go with Striper. <laughs> so there's that. But hey, if you could break away from Michael Sweet's dulcet tones, you can probably go check out you know the the marketplace in in, in uh, Tel Aviv and, and walk around the whaling. My my favorite and, part of that sales pitch was if there's a place you've dreamed of seeing in the Holy Land, chances are you'll see it on this trip. <laughs> chances are there are chances <laughs> you might. Oh yes. You just might see it on that trip. So if anybody wants the link for uh, Striper Israel uh, excursion, Google it because we don't have it and we don't care. You know what we do have, though? We have this, rockcitymusico.com. Oh, yes, and covertocover.com, which I haven't updated in months. And uh, what else? Oh, we got this. We'll just we'll, we'll let the, the ticker. ticker run. The, yeah, ticker. the ticker's going to run for a little bit. Make sure you like us on Instagram, Facebook. Oh, and if you are on the YouTubes, which you should be right now, and you have not done so, subscribe, uh, hit the bell, like this. It should be right about like there somewhere. So please do that because we actually got a couple of subscribers last week. We're over 80 now. We're approaching uh -oh. 100. Uh-oh. We're approaching 100. So this is good. We like these things. Oh, wait. You can't get baptized with Steven Tyler. Gall McCartney does make a good point. Except for he put we, we will. Yeah. Like or, <laughs> we'll like us. We all you we all you can't get baptized with Steven Tyler. So his his good English is gut is good. That's about as good as it's going to get from him, though. Now, somebody said, I'll do it, but they'll have to dress in all black and yellow. Well, yes, yeah, I, I don't see that being a problem. Yeah, for them at yeah exactly. All. I think that's a day ending in Y for Striper. So, you know, that's that's par for the course right there. Uh, great. All right. Enough of that shit. So moving on to the topic of the day. So Nick and I were, uh, thought about this last week. Nick actually came up with this idea and we just kind of polished it a bit. And we're still we were still polishing it today, actually. Yeah, because yeah, um, we both had a different perception of what we were doing. And the thing is, we both had the same perception at the same time. Yes, so it's just yeah. like it, it was blended, but different. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to talk about the bands that bands love. So essentially, every band that you've ever heard that you love heard another band that they loved, right? Who taught the masters, essentially, in some of these instances? Sue Wendelkin is here. Oh, hi, Sue. Sue has a new album out herself. Uh, and make sure you buy it. 
Yes. Uh, Sue, if you want to put in your link in the chat, please do so. And everybody go and buy her album because she's an, an incredible singer and a super person. And I love her to death and I miss her. I miss you, Sue. Um, she's got to be great if you don't have anything bad to say about it. Well, I like you, but I have tons to say bad about you. So <laughs> I gave Nick a compliment today. It was a banner day for Nick. I gave yep. him a compliment. Um, so <laughs> I think I think that's four total in in 12 years. Yes. Yeah. I'm good for one every three years. Yeah. I'm good for one every three years. Um, so again, you know, who taught the masters, right? We, we, we all love now these bands that we're going to talk about and their influences are bands that have influenced others. So that's why Nick and I sort of had this sort of strange, like crisscrossing ideal as to what this is, this topic was about. So this might be a little bit disjointed, but it all matters. Okay. So when we talk about, you know, influences again, it's the bands that influenced other bands, but then who influenced the bands that, that influenced other bands, right? Like we could talk about, like we were joking, like we're going to talk about the cavemen knocking on rocks because they influence somebody else down the road, yeah, right? Which is true, right? Uh, but we're not going back that far. However, everything sort of centers around one band. <laughs> yep. In most instances, and that's the Beatles. And it's sort of like a six degrees of separation in a lot of ways. Uh, how you get from the Beatles to everything else, but what got to the Beatles, you know, and we're going to look at all that, but then we're going to talk about other bands and how that all came to be. So Nick, I'm going to let you take the Beatles first, because I think that is the first band we need to talk about because they're probably the most influential band on not just rock and roll, but music in general in the 20th century. Yes. Um, and why don't you take that and give me your explanation as to how they got to be the Beatles and what they've done since. Right. Um, so I know that the, the, uh, the big influence on the Beatles, of course, was some of the American blues and as well as the Motown stuff um, yep. was a big deal to them. And then, of course, Buddy Holly, um, Bill Haley and the Comets, who I have on my list, um, people like that 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 original roots rock mixed with the hooks of contemporary pop music of course elvis was a massive influence on them as well so i think what the beatles were able to do is have that rock and blues bass r&b bass they knew how to write pop hooks and they knew how to like have an image the way elvis did so those three things together was their outlook to get moving and get going. And if you know anything about the Beatles and their time in Hamburg, they were basically a cover band and they would play what five, six sets a night, something yeah. like that. Yeah. They and for hours. Yes. And they were playing Elvis songs, blues songs, uh, big bopper songs, you know, a little bit of everything. So little Richard, little Richard, little Richard was, was huge, huge yeah. for the Beatles, huge, huge to the point of where Paul McCartney, um, has said previously that when the Beatles, uh, were touring with little Richard in 1963 in Europe, that they were like, if nothing else ever happens to us again, we've done, we've, we've come full circle for them. They, there was nothing better than playing with little Richard. So, and that was way prior to the Beatlemania thing and everything. So um, they, even though they're the most influential 
band of all time um they had their heroes and their influences and tracing that back i think you get a full understanding of bands that came after them them going back and getting that stuff or getting getting uh influenced by it uh especially when you get into like uh the kinks and the who and bands that were contemporary to the beatles were all listening to the blues and r&b stuff coming out of america and uh the i guess what a bit what would have been considered oldies or classic rock to them stuff yeah. their parents listened to yeah stuff um, like like howlin wolf and yep. and you know all the old blues men you know the delta blues men a lot of that came out of it uh, a lot of like even the big band type things, you yeah. know, if you listen, you know, if, if, if you, if you want to take it from where it was to where it went, like if you say the Beatles are influenced by Bill Haley in the comments, well, Bill Haley in the comments, if you just think about rock around the clock, that's got a big band jive yeah. to it, you know, all and those all guys had from, come like, from Duke a Ellington big band and all yeah. that. Yeah. They all came from all big bands. So, you know, and jazz and, you know, Glenn Miller orchestra and, and, and all these other influences that led to bill haley in the comments that in turn led to r&b which led to the beatles yeah you know and all of that it's it's so interesting to kind of go back in the catalog and be like oh here's the dotted line from you one can, to the other you can pick the points and and a big thing is paul mccartney's dad had a big band he wrote stuff on the piano in his house that was all big band style um loose dance music so that's where P paul's influence comes from hearing his dad play all that hooky stuff that would have come from a big band a local big band at the time yep yep and there was a lot of bebop influence there too in the in the beatles early days you know some of that sort of you know bouncy bebop type music as well um there was some latin influence in there too um uh, Especially with them covering Besame Mucho, but yeah, know. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you, if if anybody out there hasn't listened to specifically to the Beatles anthology volume one, that shows you that's got a ton of stuff of them in Hamburg. It's got a ton of stuff uh, from the early days of the BBC where they're playing a lot of covers, especially Motown stuff. And like you just mentioned, how do you say that again? Besame Mucho. Yeah, that song. Paul McCartney <laughs> singing that, and then they do that song, um, Three Cool Cats. Yep. is on there which was like a, a, a hit in the uh late 40s i believe um, yeah it's like a, like a like a three-part harmony jazzy you know hit from the late 40s early 50s and i think that because i know there's a ton of people that don't they they don't want to give the beatles credit i don't understand why but if you want to be that way fine if you listen to that era of the beatles i think you get this whole different appreciation for their musicianship even past their own songs because they were so great at a young age of just of of playing these songs that it influenced them put it up against anything that was going on at the time they're killing it yeah. by comparison so or you watch that old footage of them in the cavern before brian epstein's even signed them it's like they're, they're jamming nobody nobody was doing that at the time you know it was funny like I believe it was the the video uh, collection of anthology where Paul McCartney was talking about how back in the day, like they knew like six chords, you know, yeah. and they would hear like, wait, somebody knows a B major seventh. And like they would get on a bus and go to like that guy's like, oh, teach us B major seventh. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and like learn that chord. And they're like, yeah, we know we know another chord now, you know, and that's yeah. just how they learned as kids. But I mean. That just goes and shows you the the ingenuity of and 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 the passion they had for 
music in general. And they were learned musicians in that regard, too, because they would go and seek out people that knew more than them. Yep. You know, while still and just drawing from those influences as well as the musical influences, the the direct recorded musical influences created who they were, but also it made them very inventive. And that's why throughout their career, every Beatles album is like another just like era, essentially. Yep. You know, in the beginning, the first three, four albums kind of sounded similar ish. Well, it's their first doing, songs yeah. and, and they're relying on a lot the of covers, covers from the repertoire. Covers, yeah. And once they hooked up with with uh, with George Martin, then things started to go a little like, oh, cool. Well, let's expand this a little bit. And when they decided not to tour anymore, that's when they really went. If you want to call it off the rails, I don't I consider it on the rails because it's my favorite part of the Beatles history is when they really got experimental is when they really started using mind expanding substances. Uh, and maybe that led a little bit to it as well. Um, and that led to a lot of other freedom in musicality that a lot of other bands embraced. Yes. So well, that alone, because somebody had had drawn multiple lines in the sand yeah. like it was no longer that you had to record just hit singles or or you you had to do it th this way that way whatever they had totally broken that mold and the thing that always blows my mind and i've said it on this show before the biggest thing about the beatles about the influence and all the game-changing stuff that they did that still felt today and we're going to get into this with all all kinds of artists all of that from them recording please please me their first record to them ending the band after abbey road was seven and a half years and that's, when you that's the crazy thing yeah. when you put that in perspective i'm talking everything from you know beatlemania ed sullivan hard day's night rubber soul revolver sergeant pepper all that all that change seven and a half years that's what to me makes them to to me there's no doubt who's the top band that it all stems from when you yep. talk about bands and rock and roll and how it's done today it stems from them yep yep now let's move on from them and we'll they're going to come up later yep they're going to come up later again as influences on other bands that we're going to talk about that were influencers of others right uh next one i want to talk about had not much of a longer career than the beatles it was about 12 years another british band that was put together sort of almost last minute ish in the ashes of another band that was quite popular at the time in the late sixties. And that band was the Yardbirds and Jimmy page was the third guitarist in the Yardbirds. Yep. First it was uh, Eric Clapton. Then it was Jeff Beck and then it was Jimmy page. So he was the third and final lead guitarist of the Yardbirds. And then the Yardbirds kind of exploded, but they had a tour. <laughs> and they needed a band to put together. So Jimmy Page recruited three other musicians, called it initially the New Yardbirds, and did their tour. And then they decided to put out an album. And you may know them as Led Zeppelin. And Led Zeppelin, of course, hugely influential on... You know, th them and Black Sabbath are thought of as being the godfathers of heavy metal, Right. Uh, you know, it was John Bonham's tremendously huge, bombastic drums and Jimmy Page's, you know, lush 
recording techniques that really made a big like wall of guitar and john paul jones and his multi instrumentalism uh if that's a word yeah it is (laughs) and robert plant's screeching vocals at the beginning uh and with them it was sort of the same thing every album was very different from the one before it in some cases the one before it was you know um actually it's a bad way to say it in some cases the album that came out surpassed the one before it and sometimes it seemed like a little bit of a step back it depends on who you were and what you liked yep you know so and very similar uh uh trajectory uh, yes. as the Beatles of like as those first Beatles. two yep. records relying more on what would have been in their repertoire as gigging musicians of that heavy blues and understanding that and bringing that with their own spin on it before and of course they were writing their own killer songs but Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. one is overall a cover record overall it pretty much is. And then subsequently, not to be flip, but it's true, many of their other albums later on were cover albums that we didn't know about at the time. Yep. And they've subsequently been sued for. And uh, that's actually the where I kind of want to start. So Led Zeppelin 1, there's lots of cover songs on that album. A couple of songs I didn't even know were cover songs until like recently. So... Uh, you know, how many more times? Uh, you shook me. You shook me. Uh, what's another one on? Uh, not uh, your time is going to come, right? Uh, yeah, that's on there. No, no, no. But is that was that? I don't. There was one on there that I didn't realize was not written by them. I'm and pretty... I pretty thought it was that one, but I could be wrong. Um, either way, they needed to put something together. They recorded that that album in what like eight hours or something yeah, something like, like that, that yeah. you know and it sounds incredible it's like eight tracks total um and then led zeppelin two. they well obviously they they, they had this toehold this great toehold um oh babe you, i'm gonna leave you is probably the one you were thinking of one. Yes, that's a joan, that's joan Baez. Baez. Yep, that's right so um and actually did know that and i was reminded of that so uh anyway if you listen to Led Zeppelin one and then Led Zeppelin two, they're very different than everything that came after it. Like we were just talking about with the Beatles, the Beatles, like first three or four albums were very like, you know, shiny, happy, smiley, the bobblehead Beatles that, yeah, that right. we knew. And then everything after that got weird and distorted and strange and awesome. Right. Led Zeppelin, same thing. The first two albums are just straightforward rock and roll albums. And then three came out. And very acoustic, very different, could have been considered a step back by many. Then four comes out, it's sort of a return to form, but it's a mixture of the acoustic and the electric, so on and so forth. But if you listen to the first two Beatles albums, you're like, well, where were these influences? Well, if you take it from Jimmy Page, it was like Sonny Boy Williamson and all the, you know, the, the again, more of those blues heroes from back in the day. But there are bands that should have sued them tremendously. And one of them is the small faces. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get a moment, I request that you all go and watch, or you can go on YouTube and find a song called you need Lovin' by the small faces. It is whole lot of love, almost vocally note for note and almost word for word, right? Totally stolen, <laughs> 100% stolen from the small faces and they did that in 1966 so 
you knew and they all ran in the same circles i mean these are all british blues rock bands so they're stealing from one another right and left now as much as i love led zeppelin and how influential they were we do have to admit that they really pinched a lot from other bands of that era no doubt but you know what i always say is like that you can't you can't deny that they absolutely did, and they were uh, they were very mofi about it. They they weren't saying <laughs> yeah. this is what they didn't we're doing. Say, yeah, they were trying to pass it off. But here's the thing: like, I their, their idea go- of it. The, I'm sorry, their idea of it was like, well, we didn't say we didn't rip it off. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> we my, just didn't say we did. But my thing is, who did that better? Because small True. faces, yes, absolutely. Fantastic band, Steve Marriott, a completely underrated vocalist and oh songwriter. My God, such a great vocalist. And especially in Humble Pie. His vocals in Humble Pie are outstanding. But great song, but it's not a whole lot of love. No. So it, it's like one of those things where, yeah, do the, do the blues guys deserve credit for those tunes? Of course. Of course they do. But I would argue that no one would know anything about those songs if it wasn't for Led Zeppelin. So you get, it's it's like taking the good with the bad, you know. It, I, I don't know how many people would be talking about you shook me if it wasn't for Led Zeppelin. And I know Jeff Beck group did it on Beckola or Truth or one of those records because Jeff Beck was pissed that Zeppelin was putting theirs out. They were they were putting you shook me out, um, but. The Zeppelin version. That's that's why we talk about you shook me. That's why people know it. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they should have made Willie Dixon really rich. They should have. <laughs> they should have. Because how many times did they go back to that well? Um a lot. And like actually, at least four or five times that I can yeah, think of. Yeah. And actually they did have to give him credit. They did give him songwriting credit. And there were times that they got sued throughout the years. Um Stairway to Heaven. That was a big lawsuit that went through two lawsuits in the past five years. That one was a little, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, if you listen to both songs, you can kind I mean, you can't deny that some of those notes follow that progression. Now, is it carbon copy? No, it is not. It is not. It's not like I, it's in the same vein, I would say as the recent, lawsuit of um ed sheeran and marvin gaye's well it wasn't even marvin gaye's family they didn't sue him it was the guy, other person who wrote yeah um, let's get the, it on yeah let's get it on so melody um, is very similar melody is similar but there's 12 notes mm-hmm. there's 12 notes you can only make so many chordal progressions with 12 notes right yep with led zeppelin's stairway to heaven though like those arpeggiated those arpeggiated chords are really similar compared to, to what was the song called? Taurus Taurus by spirit by spirit. So, but that's really all that's similar is that intro arpeggiated progression. The rest of the song has nothing to do with anything to do with it. And if you're going to sue Led Zeppelin, like Willie Dixon, let's say like his contributions were integral to what made those songs those songs when the levy well, breaks the and things song. like yeah, right yeah exactly <laughs> like but stairway to heaven you can't say like stairway to heaven would have been great still had the intro been different like you can't go oh well it's because of our intro that stairway to heaven is stairway to heaven it's like no yeah but those first four notes are probably the first are the, the most memorable four uh, like you know acoustic guitar notes 
to open a song ever. Name me another four, four note <laughs> grouping that is more recognizable than the four notes that open Stairway to Heaven. In fact, you know it almost from the first note. That's like a name that tune, like darling. You, you would win. Like I can name that tune in half a note. Yeah, right. Like boop. All right, I got it. It's Stairway to Heaven. You know. But do you think? Do you think that it it's worth you know forty percent of the publishing? Uh, no, no, I don't. But I can see why there was a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, and I'm glad that they lost. I'm glad that Spirit lost. You know, no offense to them or anything. I again, I don't want to deny anybody their their contribution to a written work, but you know, it, it's it's such a blurry line. Not there's no well, lawsuit song. Well, blurry yeah, lines. Right. <laughs> if if Spirit should have sued anybody, it should have been Cheap Trick for the Flame because the Flame is Nature's Way by Cheap Trick, like almost note for note. Well, Same melody go. and everything, which I don't think Cheap Trick wrote the flame, but obviously they made it popular. Um, I, but I want to say Glenn Ballard, but uh, I could be wrong on that. Now I have to look that up. But Continue uh, talking. But yeah, no, like if any, if Spirit should have been pointing the finger in anybody, it should have been the flame. Because those two songs, you can layer over each other and they're, they, they'll play together. Oh, it's written by Bob Mitchell and Nick Graham, who were British songwriters. There you go. There you go. They stole it from spirit. Anyways, Led Zeppelin, yes. highly influential. Yeah, highly influential. But again, their influences, you know, the small faces, a lot of those, you know, again, we're going back to the blues rock thing. Um, you know, Willie Dixon, huge influence on them. But then they turned around. And again, like you said, they did it better and they made it into something different. And they made it influential for a lot of other bands. And we'll talk about some of those bands later as well. Now, another band around the same time, and I know they're your favorite band, especially their first incarnation, is Black Sabbath. Uh, because you love Ozzy. I know you oh, love yeah. his vocals. You love his vocals. I, Don't, I, I think the word you're looking for is despise, but okay. Look, I hate you for that. Like, if anybody who has never watched this show before, Nick and I go toe-to-toe on this one a lot, all right? Ozzy in Black Sabbath, to me, is the sound of Black Sabbath. Dio is okay, Ian Gillen is not existent, and everybody else doesn't matter. I'd probably, well, I'd agree with you, except for I'd put Dio above Ozzy, of course. Of course you would. Other than Volume 4, which is pretty killer. That's a bulletproof album. It is. Well, no, uh, it's not bulletproof, because what about FX? Yeah, but nobody's singing on it, so you yeah, should but, be happy about but that. But that's still, if Mother by the Police makes Synchronicity not a uh, not a bulletproof album, then FX it should take volume four out of the running. FX too. is a cocaine-fueled instrumental. How could you not listen to it? Ozzy is one of the most underrated vocalists ever. Sue is right. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, I wouldn't say the last half of his career, but the first half of his career, yes. The 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 last 85, 90% of his career. Oh, my God, shut your mouth. Oh, yeah, because people are always pointing to Mr. Tinker Train going, yeah, that's a fucking killer vocal performance. I don't there. even like Mr. Tinker Train. Uh, it's well, not why would you? It's awful. It's not awful, but I'm not necessarily a fan of it. It sucks. You suck. It sucks. Fuck you. Black Sabbath started in the late 60s uh, after uh, after uh, Frank Iommi cut his fingers off. 
Frank. Because that was his. That's his real name. His name Frank, Frank Iomi. Frank Iomi. So I would went, have liked to have heard what would have happened had he stayed in Jethro Tull. Well, all right, that story is hysterical. So for those of you that don't know, Tony Iommi, whose real name is Frank, was supposed to join Jethro Tull. And on his last day at work in a sheet metal factory, I believe it was, that's when he cut the tips of his fingers off on his last day because he had quit because he was going to join Jethro Tull full time. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a recorded song of him with Jethro Tull. It's on the Rock and, Rock Roll, and Roll Circus. circus. Yep. yep. So you can check him out playing one song with Jethro Tull. Obviously, Black Sabbath was a thing at that point. Video but, um, recorded too. Not yeah, just, video it's, recorded. It's not even just audio. Um, but yeah, this was after you know Black Sabbath had started and et cetera and so forth. But either way, he's on. He's on there, and it's pretty pretty cool just to see him in Jethro Tull fulfilling that prophecy. Uh, but yes, Frank Iommi uh, uh, started Black Sabbath with uh, uh, Mr. Butler. Geezer is not his real first name. Terry, right? It's Terry Butler. And, How metal? Uh, William Ward, otherwise known as Bill Ward, and John Osborne. And John Osborne. So uh, also isn't known that as the that's Ozzie. the same person that did uh, what if God was one of us, right? It yeah, was John, John Osborne. Osborne. Yeah, John Osborne. Yeah. Uh, what if God was one of us? Just a snob. What of you What of you all? Show me your cigarette lighters. Um. <laughs> so yeah black sabbath obviously has influenced almost every single heavy metal band that came out after 1970 right yeah can, can we agree on this we can uh, agree on it for better or for worse that is true and when we listen to the first black sabbath album in particular obviously the first song on the album is black sabbath and it and it has that that three note that three note cadence to dum bum those those g's and then it's got that dissonant note in the middle which throws everybody off that bang right so instantly they sound evil all right that note started a million heavy metal bands yep i'm totally convinced that it was that note that started a million heavy metal bands but if you listen to the the album in general it's really just a a blues rock album mhm especially you know, the wizard and yeah um there's a what's the other song uh trying well, to think it, of uh the the warning yeah probably that's probably yeah. the one i'm trying to think of which is uh, actually i believe that's a cover of an ainsley dunbar the ainsley dunbar <laughs> ainsley dunbar group did the warning originally in like 1967 and they did the cover of it but they popularized it now ainsley dunbar for those of you who don't know played drums for everybody from frank zappa to white snake yep including the white snake album that you all know with here i go again and including know, journey still of the night and journey he was the first he was the first drummer in journey right i think so yeah yep and got kicked out uh for uh steve uh, what's his face perry uh, yeah no steve perry no steve steve smith you're talking thank about. you but i just wanted to make the <laughs> basketball reference dennis they, smith springsteen influenced nobody you can hate springsteen but that's uh, incorrect Bruce Springsteen influenced the Manfred Mann Earth Band. <laughs> let's never forget, or let's never remember. One of the two. Uh, Wicked World, yeah, Gall McCartney's right. I mean, that's all blues rock, you know? It's done in a very toned-down, darker way. But, I mean, when, when you go back and you and listen to that first album... the vocals are definitely worse. Oh, God. Not worse than Springsteen. 
We're not you talking know, about him right you now. You know, the worst part of Bruce Springsteen is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, you know what the craziest thing is, though? I think Springsteen's that still out like there Bruce performing. He's still out there performing, though. He doesn't look like a bus hit him. So, Yeah, but he also didn't do a gallon of drugs a day for 50 years. Yeah, so. well, and now that's making the difference, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, when you're 75 years old, come back and talk to me. Let me know how you feel. I don't think I'm going to make it that far. God. What about you? I'm going to make it to 106. Well, 75 for you, that's like 20 years from now. No, it's 25 years from now and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now, if we look at if we look at the influences of where things came from with with Black Sabbath, really it 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 came from um like horror films, like influenced by just darkness in general and just taking things to the next level, trying to, you know, well, the, the name Black Sabbath came from the movie Black yes. Sabbath, which was a Boris Karloff film. So obviously they had that influence. Oh, wait, somebody's telling us to keep it civil. No, 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 no. You must be new here. And I know you're not because I've seen your name before thanking us for episodes. So you should know better. Uh <laughs> well, if I re I think it was geezer says that he said to to ozzy like isn't it crazy that people will pay money to get the shit scared out of them because yeah. that there was a line wrapped around the uh movie theater to see black sabbath the movie yep. not the band obviously um yep. so yeah i, I think you, it, it's based around evil the evilness yep. of the, of the world well, the, Man. That, that that third note in Black Sabbath in that song, in that first, those opening three notes, right? That's part of what's called the Devil's Interval. That's that. Those are like those were like the forbidden notes in the Middle Ages, you know, whatever it was. Like you couldn't play those notes. It's the Devil's Interval. So, I mean, that kind of falls along with it and makes a lot of sense in that way. Um, Sabbath was influenced by Cream, absolutely. Yeah. So 100%. especially um, stuff like. Uh, What's that cream song in Disraeli gears? Uh, S S W B L A R. She I think. wore she she wore a bearded rainbow or something. Yeah, like yeah. She, that she song sounds like a Black Sabbath song. Like the groove of it, the yeah. riff of it, all of that. Totally, it's it's definitely um, influencing Sabbath. And and Cream were the first ones I think getting real gritty. Yeah. And and dirty with with the tone and stuff. Them and Hendrix, of course. But but where what are they getting it from? The blues, like yep. like we were exactly. just talking about. Listen to politician. Yep. That's another politician great one, yep. is th that's just like a huge fat riff that definitely could be on almost any Black Sabbath album when you think about yep. it. Or the early But that's a very plot. I just think of elephants every time I hear that song. I don't know why. <laughs> it just sounds like like elephants <laughs> or woolly mammoths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what all I picture in my head are like woolly mammoths, elephants, and hippopotamus. <laughs> Hippopotami. Um Oh, what pot am I? Uh, yeah, swa Swabler. She was a lady. Bearded she wore a bearded rainbow. Yeah, she, she was a, a beard bearded rainbow lady or something. Doesn't yeah. matter. Everyone knows the song we're talking about. Swabler. 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 Yeah. Like, and that's like, uh, um, what song off the first? Uh, I'm not even going to It sounds like Wicked anyway. World, doesn't it? Yeah, Wicked World. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Black Sabbath obviously took all those influences and went counter to everything that was happening at the time. Cause at the time you got to think late sixties was a lot of 
hippie culture, peace, you know, peace, love, and harmony Man. and all that. Um, and left and took over where Cream left off in a lot of ways and just took that sound, amplified it literally, and darkened it up. And again, using that Devil's Interval launched a million heavy metal bands. Again, every single metal band has to pay some sort of tribute to Black Sabbath in one way or another. They truly are the epicenter of heavy metal. Led Zeppelin did it uh, in a in a they were the pop version of heavy metal, I guess if you want to look at it that way, because uh, Black Sabbath was still very underground, you know. Whereas Led Zeppelin was like selling out crazy arenas. It took mm-hmm. Black Sabbath a little time to build up to that, but Led Zeppelin was like out of the shoot, super popular. So, um, and especially with the tours that you saw back in the, could you imagine some of those tours today? What they would draw and what they would cost? Yeah, it's like. <laughs> like Jethro Tull with like Led Zeppelin opening and some other band that you knew and yeah. it cost like with ELP a, on with, the lower part of the bill. Yeah, and it cost a dollar 50. Yeah. Like okay. Today that's a $600 show for the cheap seats. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I don't think Jethro Tull would be the headliner. But no, they would be going on first. Yeah. They would sure. probably be going on first. And ELP <laughs> wouldn't be going on at all. Yeah, that's because it would just be P. It would just be P. So it would just be like a half hour long drum solo, in which case uh Carl Palmer could play a half hour and not hit the same drum twice. Yes. Because his drum kit was so massive. I mean, you want to talk about influences. Who came first? Carl Palmer or Neil Peart? <laughs> right. And that's a tough one too. The answer is Carl Palmer, uh, when it came to gigantic drum kits. So And he uh and and if he did a thirty minute drum solo, it would represent some sort of spaceship or something coming in to take over humanity because that's what ELP did was write crazy shit and like it would that. Be, and it would be called the goat. Yeah. I don't know why. It would just be called the goat, just because it would be, make it so stupid. Right. Um so anyway, Dennis Smith is giving us a uh, theory. So yes, G G C sharp. That C sharp is part of that devil's interval. So there you go. What? You. What? What? It's all Frank's fault. It's all Frank's fault. Uh oh, Mark Arnie. Mar- Mark's leaving again. Mark did yeah. this to us last week too. Yeah, but last He's... week he just said later and was like all pissed off at us for one reason. Mark, we love you and have a good practice. Yeah, why'd you get we'll pissed, you Mark? Next week. Yeah. I don't know if he was actually pissed, but he was just like, later, I'm out, or whatever. It did seem like he was pissed. Yeah. A few times in the last week, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, I, I maybe I should reach out to Mark because it seemed like he was pissed. <laughs> All right, moving on, because we have probably another three hours worth of influences to talk about, <laughs> right. and we only have probably another 30 minutes that we want to do it. So yes. um, in the late 80s, I'm sorry, in the late 70s, a lot of different types of music started coming out of specifically Britain. Uh, And there was one band in particular that took it to the next level, became very popular, became extremely popular, and then completely sold out, but stayed extremely popular and then wrote some of the worst albums ever and stayed extremely popular. And that band is Metallica. Uh, (laughs) And again, Metallica. I actually wasn't sure where you were going, to be honest. Oh, come on. Come on. But look at this. He's smoking up. He's blazing up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, smoking that shit. I'm actually cigarette. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not blazing anything, actually. Hey, you're blazing a trail, Nick. It's the um, it's the stress, ladies and gentlemen. Of being on a show with me. Yes, right. More than anything. <laughs> so um 
Oh, all right. Mark, Mark didn't necessarily apologize to us, but explained to us what happened last week. His boss called him, so he had to go. That's Springsteen right. called him. Yes. Boss called me last yeah. week. Springsteen. If that boss called me, that phone would still be ringing. <laughs> uh I thought that's where you were going to, to be fair. Well, actually, <laughs> that, that trajectory is the same. Yes. Until this last album. For both of them, I guess. You know, both of their latest albums are actually, you know, the, the uh, Diamond Star Halos by Def Leppard. I like it. Solid, yeah. I think it's a really solid album. And considering the fact they've been doing this 40 years and they were able to put out this, that's good on them. I mean, that's that's a good album with some great hooks with some huge influences from a lot of glam bands from the 70s like T-Rex, things of that nature. Therefore, Bowie. Diamond Star Halos, yep. uh, stealing stealing directly from Mark Bolin. So, and yeah, Bowie, like all the Ziggy Stardust Martha era type stuff. Martha Hoople, yep, who basically was David <laughs> Bowie and David Bowie was Martha Hoople. Um <laughs> Or and they, I don't know. They all just that them. one tune, just the one tune everybody knows by yeah, Mata Hoopa was David Bowie. Yeah, yeah, all the young dudes, and that's you know. And then if you want to take that to the next level, we could talk about that too, in the sense of bands that basically took a song and made it somebody else's. Uh, in the meantime, by Space Hog, you can't tell me that that was not directly influenced by David Bowie. That mm -hmm. is like all glam David Bowie era music right there. But that came out in the nineties, so. Um, David Bowie, super influential, but yeah, Metallica, you know, Metallica started its own revolution in music, but also re-energized a different revolution in music called new wave of British heavy metal. And that's because that's where they came from, especially Lars Ulrich, unfortunately, but, uh, but Lars Ulrich always cites those bands, Budgie, Diamond Head, all those bands from that era as Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, these are all direct influence bands of Metallica and huge in the new wave of British heavy metal. And a band that I have on my list that when, when we originally started talking about this, who I think is one of the most, maybe the most underrated band and underappreciated band for their influence uh, and and catalog and everything full full tilt is Thin Lizzy. Yep. And and. All those new wave of British heavy metal bands, the twin guitar attack, the 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 bass not being a background instrument, the bass, you know, being fucking up front and driving a lot of the, the melody of the song is coming from Thin Lizzy. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, uh, Diamond Head, uh, who else has the like the twin guitar attacks that would have influenced Metallica? Because I think Metallica took it. They took it to the next step in terms of speed, in terms of heaviness. They Americanized it in a lot of ways, but you can trace that right back to Thin Lizzy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it all comes from, you know, it, it always took one to go to the next, to go to the next, to go to the next. Yep. You, know, you can again, it's like seven, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's that's kind of what it is. And we we joked about like, all right, get me from the Beatles to Slayer. How do you do this? Well, you could Slayer do it was influenced steps. by, you know, yeah. <laughs> Slayer was influenced by Black Sabbath, which was influenced, influenced by, the, by Beatles. the Beatles. So <laughs> there, done. Next. Um <laughs> it's very, very rough shod, but it is true. Um hang on, I'm sending the uh, link to somebody. I'm live. There we go. Scorpions. Uh yeah, they were another. Well, they yes. were German, but uh, <laughs> but still a two guitar attack. Yes, very much. A Michael Schenker as a guitar player influenced 
all of those players. Yeah, I was going to say UFOs, another another yeah. really underappreciated and undermentioned band for that. They were doing yep. tons of shit that everybody ended up lifting. And again, UFO is one of those bands that bands love. They're not necessarily super pop. I mean, they're popular. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they're not. They're not thought of as like a list. No, they're not. But they are a band that tons of other bands cite as being a huge influence, which is where this whole topic sort of came out of. It's like, what are these other bands that maybe you're not aware of that influence the bands that you love? You know. So again, like all the new wave of British heavy metal bands uh, and UFO, Michael Shanker, like all that Thin Lizzy, Irish, uh, you know, all came and influenced all those bands in the early eighties that just wanted to take it to the next level. So if you follow that progression and then we go through, you can look at it from a power pop perspective, right? So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, Beatles obviously is thought of as being like the preeminent power pop band, like of all time, but cheap trick wouldn't be cheap trick without the Beatles. Yep. All right. Jellyfish who we all love. Well, me and you, uh jellyfish who is not a super popular band all right almost the 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 perfect example of the band that bands love yes you know because so many bands that came after them cite jellyfish as such a huge influence now jellyfish kind of got caught in a really bad spot right they came out in the early 90s and that was and they were doing this, you know, kind of happy, shiny power pop thing when grunge took over and it, it, they got lost in the sauce. Yep. And it was just bad timing for them. I think if they came out five years earlier or five years later, they would they'd have been be celebrated. Yeah, they'd be celebrated. Totally. And so for us, I know for you and I, this is this is a huge band for us. And, you know, I even caught on way later. Like mm -hmm. I caught on in like, you know, like five years ago, <laughs> like yeah, I didn't right. get into it until that long ago. So, um, but as a musician, I can see why so many other bands were influenced by them, but who are they influenced by the Beatles, cheap trick ELO. Yep. And XTC ELO and XTC huge influence on jellyfish. So like all these different eras of power pop lead into one another, all these difference of heavy metal lead into one another and everything that came before it, they just try to outdo in one way or another. Again, we said at the beginning of the show, there's only 12 notes, mm -hmm. right? How you arrange them is very important in how your sound is created. So, you know, we could do the same thing with thrash metal, right? So you could put Metallica in that category. The early they, stuff for sure. Yeah, the early stuff, but also who came out of that? Slayer came out of that. Anthrax came out of that. Exodus came out of that. You know, the uh, uh, Megadeth came out of that. You know, the big four. If you want to talk about the big four, you have Metallica, Slayer, uh, uh, Megadeth, and Anthrax. Those yep. are the big four, and Exodus is 4A. Yep. I, I guess, essentially, if you want to look at it that way. But then... Which is funny, because the they were, like, they were technically first, weren't they? Exodus? Exodus? Mm-hmm um well kirk started the band kirk uh, kirk started exodus in high school i think and him and gary holt and uh and all those other guys and then he joined metallica but i don't think exodus caught on until after metallica blew up like they did so we need to um, get gary on the show all right you can do that i'll ask him i don't really know him <laughs> i'll ask him i thought you did i've met and talked with him via carrie but that's about okay it. yeah yeah so, I haven't I'll ask him. I could, a long time. I could see him doing this. 
I could see him having a good time with uh, with this show. I could see him shredding the shit out of something on this song. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just, yeah, it's just something, something it. I love for sure. Yeah. He's because oh, yeah, he's totally. another ball breaker like you are. Yeah, well, he probably also hates the Grateful Dead. Oh, I'd be I'd pretty much bet my life on that. <laughs> In fact, I have to say I'd be disappointed if Gary Holt liked the Grateful Dead. I want <laughs> Gary Holt to hate the Grateful Dead. He has to. Oh my God. Well. On that, so if we look at it from a thrash perspective, you have those four bands, but who came before them? Again, the new wave of British heavy metal and Judas Priest, right? Judas Priest, I separate that because they were probably the biggest influence mm -hmm. on Slayer, on Exodus, on Metallica in a lot of ways, right? If you listen to especially early Slayer, it sounds like late like late 70s Judas Priest in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, so, you know. But and then who was Judas Priest influenced by? It was Black Sabbath and all that, you know, and, and the two guitar attack of Thin Lizzy. And it's just great to see, again, those dotted lines. I really get excited about that, you know. But then we can also look at bands like Typo Negative, mm -hmm. right? They influence every goth band that came after them. Everyone, right? Anybody who had a six foot tall, a six foot, seven foot tall singer with a deep voice, that was Typo Negative, right? Uh, but who were they influenced by? The Beatles, tremendously. That would yep. Peter Steele loved the Beatles like nobody else I know. M maybe almost more than you. You, uh, you, I think would 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 still exceed how much he loves uh, how much he loves loved the Beatles. Uh, but they were also he was also a big fan of of Bauhaus and Leibach. which makes him if you're familiar with that catalog, it makes complete yep. sense. I could see him and or um, uh, visually too. Uh, alice cooper i yep. would say you know because al and kiss of course stole a ton from alice although they won't admit it yeah. uh, you know <laughs> alice uh, he he totally influenced all that anything that's got a visual aspect to it and mm. i think typo negative does not that those guys were wearing makeup or anything but the, but it has a certain vibe right like it's got that spooky dark dingy goth vibe you know yep. so it Alice has to be an influence on that. And I, I would guess, again, you, I know you knew Peter Steele very well, but I would think a band like The Cure, especially early yeah. Cure, would have an influence on Oh, on early them. New Wave in general. Like, it was all very depressed. <laughs> yeah. Know? All of that was very depressed. I mean, look at where Nine Inch Nails came from. Yep. Nine Inch Nails was considered, when they first came out, industrial. But basically, they were New Wave wrapped up in electronic beats. Yep you know with with a harder edge and yeah. a lot of people don't realize how far back nine inch nails really goes i mean yeah, you're talking like mid 80s, 80s. Yeah. yeah mid to late 80s like that the nine inch nails has been doing what nine inch nails does for a very long time yeah it's it's 35 years i think this yeah. year is uh was it 35 years pretty hate machine came out i think that was 89 maybe okay but, so maybe next year um, yeah so either way it's really close i mean it's a long ass time yeah you know, and how far have they come? You know, and how far does Trent Reznor come? Now he's like scoring movies and winning Oscars, you know? Well, and you too, and he's another guy where you can trace a lot of influence from 90s stuff. Like I hear a lot of Trent Reznor in like tracks, like Radiohead tracks. Oh, yeah. And things like that. Like he, he's, there's people that have come along that have influenced all kinds of other things that you would never assume. I think that's the point we're making with with typo exactly, negative. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and without Nine Inch Nails, you wouldn't have Stabbing Westward. You wouldn't have all those other bands like that. Uh, what's what's the other one? Um, damn, I can't remember. Not. Uh, they had a song on the Seven soundtrack, and I don't. 
not God lives underwater. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but either way, they, they had a song that like they all kind of sounded the same around that time. I hate to say it, yeah. Um, but there a lot of those industrial bands really sounded alike. Uh, and then you know, out of that whole industrial thinking, KMFDM, who's actually playing here next week, um, well, I will not be able to go. Uh, and you know, th that's a whole other set of influence there too. You know, but when we look at these things and we keep going backwards some of those bands patrick hit it on the head you know most of the, i want to show this most of these groups got little or no airplay that's why they're the bands that bands love because they 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 sought them out yep you know they heard about them from somebody else there were the, we can go back to cassettes at this point and talk about cassette trading that happened a lot around this time you know that's how punk was basically got born you know was trading tapes you know same thing with hardcore you know, without without punk, there's no hardcore. Without hardcore, there's no new metal. Without new metal, there's right. Well, who cares? And, but uh, <laughs> but the, no, you're right. I mean, like those punk bands. When you talk about Ramones, Clash, um, Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols, you talk about those three. Think of everything that's bred from that. I mean, Black Flag and uh, and uh, all the way up to modern shit like Blink-182 and Green yeah. Day and stuff. It's all derivative of those three major bands yep. in that genre. And it was all happening at one time, which, which for somebody like me that wasn't there, when you can go back and look and go, wow, in one year you would have heard London Calling and uh, Nevermind the Bollocks and Road to Ruin or whatever. I don't remember what year yeah. all those records came up, but you get the point I'm making. It's like game changer in, in a, in a, in a full scope aspect. Yep. There you go. Um, you, you could float around the eighties in a lot of different ways with different influence of music. I mean, you know, we've talked about Metallica and, and all that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other music that happened in the eighties too. a lot of new wave. Again, we said that new wave led to nine inch nails with ledge to led to a lot of other industrial style of music. Um, influence parts of new metal rap influence parts of new metal we know that right because yep. that was that sort of like well we can rap we can sing and we could we can bang our heads pretty good too yeah so you know that was a whole different thing yeah lincoln park yeah mark mark arney right there lincoln park they took the best parts of all those and made themselves an influence for others going forward as well mm -hmm. the thing is nobody's been able to do it as well as them since right and that's where a lot of these bands have a similarity all of these bands that were influenced by them couldn't do it as well as the bands that they learned from you know what i'm saying that's the difference i think when you compare now which i mean the last 20 years compared to the previous 40 mm. because i think there was a lot more um development happening and and uh and new like new ideas coming from the influence right like we talked about even something as simple as black sabbath from the beatles like sabbath was influenced to play by those guys but what did they do they said we love this and this is what got us to pick up our instruments but we want to do something different and same yeah. thing with zeppelin same thing with metallica same thing somewhere along the line it became either you cop something, meaning you lift it note for note or whatever. Let's up. Or, <laughs> or you do something that's already been done and, and change nothing about it. 
Greta Van Fleet would yeah. be the thing the, I point at. The you darkness. Know, like, the, the <laughs> darkness, right. Like, which, th nothing against those bands, yeah. but what's new about that? What's different? Yeah. Like, will people in 30 years go, man, I wouldn't be playing an instrument right now if it wasn't for Greta Van Fleet? Maybe, maybe they will. But I know 30 years prior, you know, if you look at like the year 2000, 30 years prior to that would have been 1970. So, yeah everything that changed in like from 1960 to like 95 or i guess even take it to 2000 like 40 years in the last 23 i don't really see anything that's happened that hasn't already happened yeah it's it's you know we always thought of you know what's the next thing mm -hmm. you know what is what is the next thing well when you think about the way the world has worked in the 20th and now in the 21st century, it is very rehashed, right? So what happens? Everything goes in cycles and it retro becomes cool mm -hmm. and it happens in fashion all the time and it happens in music all the time. You know, um, you know, in the seventies, it was, you know, first half of the 70s, it was rock and roll. Second half of the 70s, it was disco. And punk came out of that because it was a direct answer to we hate disco. Yep. Right. And then in the 80s, it was thrash metal. But then hair metal kind of came out of that because it was like, well, you're going to be like dirty rockers and we're going to look pretty. Yeah, we're not chicks. that angry. Yeah, we want to get as angry up. as you. We want to talk about having fun and singing and playing and drinking and having fun. And then rap said, oh, yeah, we're going to one up you. And we're going to talk, we're going to literally talk about, yeah. we're going to talk in rhyme about having fun and doing drugs and drinking and screwing chicks or, and, or what it's like to really live. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what, what, you know, like the, the true nature of your neighborhood kind of thing, you know, giving a real heavy dose of reality through, through music and storytelling. Right. So all these, a lot of these types of music are in direct relation to one another by being anti in a lot of ways yep. it was sort of like like why all right so your mother and father were a hippie and they were hippy dippy so you became a metal guy and the metal guy's kids are gonna love country and then the country kids kids are gonna love punk and like it's just to rebel Dude. against something else well i think that's the biggest thing the biggest example like when people point in the 90s probably the biggest band that you could point at in terms of influence would be nirvana and i think that nirvana even though i am not a fan of nirvana whatsoever um the biggest thing the the appeal of them was that they were the anti hair metal and the anti you know big guitars big hair yeah. what all they were against everything that was popular yeah. so the generation that was coming up was able to say yeah i agree with this fuck warrant i want to hear smells like teen spirit you know and, and the that's... funny thing is they weren't against heavy metal they were against hair, hair metal, metal specifically right, yeah. because heavy metal lived metallica became huge at the same time yep. that nirvana did yep you know so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily metal in general. It was a specific type, mm -hmm. right? My friend Diane says I'm getting fashion tips. I'm getting yeah, I fashion mean, tips. I, but I can't imagine <laughs> in 1992 that anybody wanted to hear Dokken, you know, regardless of. No, because that never changed. Right. You know, that, that stayed too stagnant too long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it was too late for them to change that sound. Now guess what? It's popular again because it's retro and it's been 30 plus years 
and now it's popular again and Dawkins sadly sells out when they when they play you know brett michaels sells out everywhere he goes that's well i was going to even say bands that were huge when i was a kid bands like um sugar ray and smash mouth and bands like limp biscuit their limp biscuit is they're headlining again they're yes. headlining one of those like not sonic temple but louder than life or one of those festivals yeah one of limp biscuit is the yeah. fucking headliner on one of those nights five years ago limp biscuit was a joke you know what i mean like people would be like oh who's playing the state fair limp biscuit like do you realize how gigantic it is to headline a festival nowadays in in the usa over bands like lamb of god and and you know machine head and fucking you know they're in the same slot as the foo fighters are in, yeah. in at other festivals like that that's insane so when you talk about retro coming around like who would have ever thought that fred durst would be somebody that anyone gave a shit about again and, but yet here we are yeah here we are and again it's sort of like well new metal i mean look i live through new metal i most of these are new metal that i have on my wall so i mean i really can't complain too much about new metal okay i i can't bag on it i actually enjoy it but again that was another type of music that became a caricature of itself because it didn't change you know just every new metal band just sounded like the last one after a while, which is what happened with hair metal, right? Yep. But heavy metal bands always try to outdo one another as opposed to be like one another, yep. which is why that survived. You know, grunge lived for literally five years. Mm -hmm. Five and years. there was really only four, five great bands of That's it. it. Yep. Which is and, how it always is. And none of them sounded like one another when yeah. you think about it, yeah. you know, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, and throw in a fifth. Yeah, uh, Mud Honey or somebody Mud like honey or something yeah, right else, now. right? Yeah. So none of them really sounded like one another. It was just called grunge because they all, it was a fashion statement, mm -hmm. uh, more so than a style. And then people tried to like be carbon copies of that, but it didn't work. So really, like the, 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 the heyday of grunge was like 91 to 96. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And people crave something heavier, which is where new new metal came from, right? Yep. Um, so one other band that we need, yeah, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. All right, so Jerry brings up Stone Temple Pilots. They were part of the grunge era. They got lumped in with it. But they're not a grunge but band. They're not a grunge band. They are just a rock band. Yes. All right. Now they were cursed at first because let's be honest, if you listen to 10 by Pearl Jam and then you put on core Stone pilot you put on core you're like yeah. wait a minute is eddie vetter singing in two bands that's because who was the producer on both of those records brendan o'brien yep there you go who had so, just done uh black crows also he had just done shake your money maker yeah but shake your money maker doesn't sound like i core. know but i'm just <laughs> saying no my point is is that like everybody was going to the same well yeah to try to get to get a hit record Oh, yeah. And all right. You want to break that down even further as far as influence. Terry Date. Yep. How many metal bands that he produced in the in the in the late 80s through like all the 90s through now? Like mm -hmm. every one of them, <laughs> you know, he did Slayer's last album, last studio album that they did. He did all the Pantera albums that, you know, and love, except the last one, which I think they did on their own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Terry Date did like all this metal stuff. You know, and that sort of had a similar sound to it because everybody, you're right. Everybody was just trying to copy one another and like, we want to have that kind of sound, 
You know, I remember one band one time, a friend of mine was managing them. I'm going to leave their name out of it because I don't think they're in the band anymore. I said, where do you see? We were all out after they played a show. And I said, where do you see yourselves? Like, well, you know, we, we want to be like Linkin Park and blah, 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 blah. I said, stop it right now. And I shut the table up. I'm like, stop it. And they're like, why? I'm like, why are you comparing yourself to bands that you want to be? Why don't you want to be better than them and be yourself? Right. You know, and that's what that's where a lot of these genres of music that failed failed because they all try to be carbon copy cutouts of one another. You know, once a few of those Seattle bands got signed, every Seattle band got signed and did nothing. Yep. Because they all tried to sound the same. It doesn't work. It becomes mm -hmm. a caricature of itself. You need to keep reinventing Alice in Chains heavily influenced by the Beatles. Listen to the vocal melodies, right? Every album is different. Everyone. There's something different on every album, right? Well, Soundgarden, radically different on every album. Well, in the bands that we're talking about that that are these, you know, benchmarks of that you can put history up against or whatever, what do they they all have in common that they're different? It was unique. So yeah. that it's it's very easy, I think, to look at something and go, okay, well, this works, so let's do this. And all bands are guilty of it, right? Kiss oh, yeah, is guilty 100%. of it. Metallica's yeah. guilty of it. Yeah. They go, oh, this is what's working right now, so we're going to do that. And they can do it fine, but like you never see anybody waving the banner for Metallica load. No one cares about that record. They're waving the flag for Master of Puppets because that was like... Yeah metallica at their creative pinnacle so there's different there's different and then there's like completely different and metallica did something so unlike what they are mm -hmm. when it came to starting with the black album and more so with load you know load was such a departure where the first song on the album is probably the heaviest song and that's ain't my bitch mm -hmm. you know it's a good tune Bitcha. it's a great show yeah, yeah, you have to add. They should have added a dash and an ah to complete the song. Ain't my bit cha, because that's actually the full word is bit cha. Uh, but that's in my mind the best song on the album, and it's the only really rocking song on the album. And I'll never forget when I saw the Black Album be debuted at the listening party at Madison Square Garden. Yes, I am so old that I was there with my friends. We're listening to it like, and the first song was Enter Sam, and we're like, all right, cool, we heard this, and then it was. The next song, we're like, all right, cool. Well, maybe after this one will come the fast song. And oh, all right. Uh, well, maybe after this one. And then you got the unforgiven. The unforgiven. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> like, all right, maybe the next one because this song sucks. We want nothing to do with this. Like, next song comes out. Like, that's eh, a little better. I'm like, uh, all right. Well, what's what's this next? Nothing else matters. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. You know? Right. And again, that if it weren't for the fact that. Enter Sandman was so strong of a song and so well-received by MTV, that album probably would not have done what it did. You know? Lode didn't have any songs like that, really. I mean, it did well. Yeah. Now, and when I say didn't have songs like that, songs that we as original Metallica fans, remembering them from the Kill 'Em All to Injustice days, had something to hang our hat on. You, you mean nothing. you wouldn't you mean you wouldn't put King Nothing up against something from Kill 'em All? I would, and it would lose. <laughs> I have to say I like um I like Until It Sleeps. It's just a bad version of of Enter Sandman in my mind, you know? It's just like a watered down like when that single first came out, I'm like, really? This? This? And then when I heard Ain't My Bitch, I'm like, all right, there's hope. 
And then I listened to the rest of the album. I'm like, nope, no hope. No hope. None. None. So uh, again, I'm, I feel like I'm just like beating up Metallica. Not like, well, they are watching. Sorry, guys. I know that you watch. <laughs> They're just show so right. easy to use as an example when you're proving a point. It's like them or Kiss or. Uh, yeah. We haven't even we, talked about Kiss today. Well, yeah, I did sort of, but yeah. No, but we didn't like, you know, center on them. No, no. Um, and Gene Simmons didn't make an appearance last week. Did you notice that? I did. Well, he after did the not. previous week, it was maybe the best <laughs> Gene Simmons appearance ever for Kiss Air. If you guys didn't hear Mike doing Gene Simmons as Kiss Air, go back two episodes. Episode 38. Yeah. Episode 38 and hear Mike announce to a plane <laughs> of people as Gene Simmons is the pilot. What's available for sale on the on the plane? <laughs> My favorite part is you go, and if you want to use the bathroom, it's four ninety nine. Four ninety nine, we get you going. There'll be kiss condoms, that'll be fifty nine ninety nine. Join the Mile High Club in the bathroom. There will be no drinks on board. We will have kiss water. Welcome to Kiss Air. We get you there, and we charge you the whole way. And we talked about how to have the plane. We were like, the plane would have Gene's face on it with the tongue sticking out. Yeah. And then you, we were like, with the, the landing. And we said, when the the landing oh, gear comes down, it would have his boots on. It would it. have his boots, like 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 de like uh, destroyer era boots. Yeah, right. That, that came the dragons. <laughs> and then they come down, and when he par and then when he parks, he goes, "Thank you." <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> where's Where's our luggage? Luggage cost extra. <laughs> From Kiss, we actually took your luggage and we've sold it. <laughs> Thank you for your donations. We much appreciate everything that you have here. Kiss Air. Oh, yeah. Every seat cost extra. There is no extra legroom. All the flight attendants would definitely have Kiss makeup on, too. But only Paul and Jean's makeup. No, not the other. Not Peter and Ace's makeup. We don't have first class. We only have no class. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we so beat good. this up enough because we can continue to beat this up, this topic, for a long time. Does anybody else in the audience uh, watching us? Because we actually have an audience tonight, which is kind of cool. I'm, I'm actually enjoy enjoying this. Um Anybody else have a band that they want to bring up while we're getting ready to do our final two segments? Anyone? 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 Bueller? Bueller? Well, remember, we're on a delay. Yeah, I know. It's like 18, 20 seconds, so just waiting for it. Uh, and thank you, Jerry, for thinking that my, my Gene Simmons impression could at times be spot on. But the only way that I can do it is if I have a microphone in front of me. My so first way, instinct is to strike. My... <laughs> From the Fuzz Bubble episode, you need to hear that story. Oh my God, that was one of the best Gene Simmons stories ever. Uh, and <laughs> my first instinct is to strike, making karate like <laughs> arms. Like he went like this. Yeah. <laughs> my first instinct is to strike. <laughs> so to sum up the story really, really quick, the singer of Fuzz Bubble. Uh, saw Gene Simmons in LA and he, he really wanted to meet him. He was like at the ATM or something like that. And this is when Kiss was like in a little bit of a lull, you know, like in the late nineties, nobody cared as much about Kiss. 
um, you know, like 96, 97. It was just about to start the reunion, so they hadn't gotten you know where they are again today. And he saw him at an ATM, and he was around the corner. He ran back around and ran up to him. And, and Gene Simmons put up his fist. Says, My first instinct is to strike. <laughs> so right. good. So good. So good. All right. So. Thank you all for watching. We're going to do our last two segments here. These are our most famous, most popular, internationally renowned segments called Discovered and This Song Sucks. Now, I think I started last week. You start this week. We're going to start with Discovered. And it's basically we discuss a cover song that we like as much, if not more, than the original. Yes. And you can, Mr. Nick, this time around, you're allowed to start off and I will give you a discount. On whatever it is that you say, if you say a Kiss song, you will get that song on Apple Music, ninety-nine cents. I'll cut it in half, ninety-eight cents. <laughs> Jerry pointing out Craig Gas uh, doing the Kiss Cruise bit. Have you seen that, Mike? I haven't, but I heard. Oh, you got to see it. What do you, is, is Kiss really going to charge us to get off the boat? Because <laughs> he went out and said, "Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the ship." has just hit an iceberg <laughs> but don't worry kiss has three different packages to get you to safety that would be about right <laughs> we have the vip lifeboat package where you could sit in a lifeboat with peter we that's basically guarantee that's that basically you'll make it what he shore. says he goes is, <laughs> he goes we have the diamond package where kiss will play an acoustic set as you float by <laughs> and then he's like the platinum package i will put tommy thayer in the lifeboat with you for eight thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and then that's what he's like the people were running up to the staff going is kiss really gonna charge us to get off the boat we're going to play Russian roulette and all the S's have stylized S's like kiss for forty nine ninety nine. It's our discount package. One of these lifeboats has a slow leak. <laughs> what about two that he said that they had hit an iceberg and they were in the middle of a trip to the Bahamas. That's a, that's, that's also <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> All right, moving All on. Right, discovered, I, I, discovered, yes, discovered. This is a cover song that we like as much, if not more, than the original. Okay, so I mentioned earlier how I think Thin Lizzy's one of the most underappreciated, underrated bands of all time. So I went with a cover of Thin Lizzy done by the Super Suckers, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, if you ask the Super Suckers. <laughs> um, they did a fantastic, outstanding version of Cowboy Song, very true to the original. But they uh, they crank through it, crank it like uh, live and dangerous. Uh, one of my favorite covers ever. You know, I think I even told you that Faith No More did a cover of that as well. You did tell me that, and I was shocked to hear that. I'm just trying to see if I could find it. Uh, I thought it was a cover of theirs. Oh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. Nope, it's not a cover. It's a song called The Cowboy Song, but it's not the cover. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's not. Lizzie. I take it back. I take but, it uh, back. But outstanding cover. So if you're looking for a great uh, just replication of the original with a little bit of a different uh, tone, check yeah. out the Super Suckers doing Cowboy Song. There you go. Um, actually, funny, uh, mentioning Faith and More, because they're on my list for today's Discovered. Um, on... On their first album, well, on the first album with Mike Patton, the real thing, they did an amazing 
cover of War Pigs. That Amazing is a good cover. cover. It is a really good cover because they stay true to it. And Patton puts his own spin on it, of course, but he, he stays pretty true to the original. This is young Mike Patton. So he still has that youthful kind of wine in his voice that kind of matches the Aussie wine that you love so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I really dig that cover. I think it's I think it's kind of badass. So um, yes, that would be my choice for Discovered this week is Faith No More's version of War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Hooray. Crocus Ballroom Blitz is not one I'm a favorite, uh, fan of, Jerry. Sorry. Yeah, that one's a tough one. It's talking about bands that stole shit, Kiss stole everything they knew in the early days from Sweet. And the New York Dolls. Yep. And they will freely admit it. Well, at least yeah. they did. It they time. used to. They won't they admit anything admit now. Yeah, now, now. You know, we invented, I invented breathing. You know, on Kiss Air, we invented the airplane. We, we uh, It was Orville and Wilbur Simmons. They were... The, and you know, you know, when we first thought we should do, we should do Kiss Air, we thought, what if we were able to go from place to place and bring our fans with us? Because it, it's what they wanted. And and so in the end, Paul and I developed flight. We flight. came up flight. I like how those the airplane those guys won't give any run credit, but they'll give each other credit. It's oh, like yeah, they have course. an agreement of like, well, don't say anything about anyone who influenced us, but you could say that I came up with this. You know, I can go for a pizza, pizza. You know, <laughs> Paul, I remember when you invented pizza in the late sixties when I first met you, <laughs> and you said that's amore. You were like, that's amore. I said, no, that's amore. It sounds better. It's more marketable. Thank you. Add the extra A, make it seven ninety nine with pepperoni. But please, no beer. I do not drink. I do not smoke. I am clean. You know, if we would have drank and partied the way Ace and Peter did, you would not see Kiss here today. And most of us would be okay with that. <laughs> That's what they miss. That's what they don't understand is if they had imploded in 81, they'd be the greatest man ever. I forgot to finish that sentence. Nick. <laughs> I like Dennis Smith saying Vince Neal's live version of born in the USA. Can you imagine that? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> He just does half of a word. Yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> He's all out of breath. You know what? I think I think for the entire I think for the entire new Motley Crew tour, this is what it's going to be like. Are you ready? Uh, play for this John Fab. <laughs> and for the whole song, <laughs> no, 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 it won't be words. Be like, <laughs> and that'll be and that's it. Two hundred ninety nine fifty a ticket. Yeah, it's like. It's bring your own vocalist, BYOV. 
<laughs> one, of my favorites, one of my favorite uh, comedy bits ever is Steve Harvey talking about people on stage going, scream, somebody scream. And he goes, and I'm sitting there going, motherfucker, you scream. I paid $34.50 for this ticket. Why am I screaming? <laughs> All right, now wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ted Nugent did I Want to Tell You by the Beatles? That's news to me. I've never heard that. And I'm afraid to listen. It could rule. It could be great. I want to tell you. Who sings it, Jerry? Is it Ted or is it Derek? I just shot a moose. I just shot a moose. <laughs> I just shot a moose. That's great. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails here. All Ladies right. and gentlemen, it's time for our most famous, most popularist, Nick's favoritist segment called This Song Sucks. It, it fails to not be funny. I mean, it, it, I it, love the count. Yeah. You know, I mean, but then again, of course, we can't start this without this version of the intro. The best example of this song sucks. Hi there. My name is Unimportant. <laughs> so good. So I good. Love, I love Nick so much. He's such a good dude. If he knew that we were doing that all the time, I'd probably have to pay him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's all right. Okay, this song sucks. This is where we, uh, generally speaking, Nick goes against type with this one because... And I'm going against it on this I'm one, too. I'm sure he is. So usually what it's supposed to be is great band, shitty song. Nick says, shitty band, shitty song, and then names the Steve Miller catalog. <laughs> so, Or like the Authority song by John Cougar Mellencamp. That's a shitty everything. song. That you, song but you sucks hate John too. Cougar Mellencamp. So, right. I mean, it's like... You know, for those of you that are new, the uninitiated, that's what this is supposed to be. Great band, shitty song. I haven't thought of a great band, shitty song in a long time. I no. promise I will for next week, though. I'm going to do it. Okay. You go ahead. Whoa. Roger just threw like his toy clear across the room. Way to go, buddy. Good job. He's looking at me like, um, all right, Black Sabbath. Well, a lot of bad ones here. A lot, but I'm probably going to pull something that I feel is probably a little bit controversial. So are you going to pick Black Sabbath, the title no. track, or maybe Paranoid, no. No. or Iron Man, no. or Symptom Shut of the up. Universe? Shut up. Shut up. They're all great songs. I fucking hate you. Symptom's good. I feel bad that I mentioned that. The other ones, no thank you. You're going to agree with this. As much as we love Volume 4, and as much as I love the song FX... I don't really love this, but it's cool. I really, really, really could do without changes. Okay. 
yes i agree with you except for how about like an hour ago you said that album was bulletproof now you're picking a song off of it and saying it sucks it can't be bulletproof and it has a song that sucks it is mostly bulletproof uh <laughs> every other song on that album is amazing supernaut is amazing cornucopia is fantastically amazing snow tomorrow's dream tomorrow's dream yeah uh uh wheels of confusion uh everything yeah, wheels else of confusion's great super yeah. not fucking super not yeah, it's great just fantastic i mean the, the except for um <laughs> sorry i just thought of metallica's version of sabra cadabra and i got i threw up <laughs> threw up on my mouth a little bit <laughs> but changes it's just not good uh and when I when I say that that album is bulletproof, like I can't say I I didn't say I hate the song, but on that album it really doesn't work. Yeah, and it harms. That it's album. definitely it's definitely the weak point of the album for sure. Yeah. Um, is it the worst song they ever wrote? No, there's far worse. Oh no, listen, yeah. listen to the second half of Technical Ecstasy, but um, listen to eighty percent of the Aussie stuff. All right, you know what? I'm just gonna punch you in your pancreas. Um, the it's oddly your pancreas, specific. Your pancreas is a very vital organ. Pancreas. It's the pancreas. Uh, it, what was I talking about? I I can't get into it. Kiss, kiss. Um, I don't know. I, I the kiss. Changes water. sucks though. You're right. Yeah, changes. I can't get into the kiss thing right now. Um, <laughs> Call McCartney goes or the first half of technical ecstasy. Well, no, you can't say that. I mean, there's, there's, there's a sure couple of really can. good tunes. Nah, there's some, there's some good stuff on that album. There, there really is. Like, the, what's the um, uh, Backstreet Kids? Great tune. Gypsy's a cool tune. I mean, on the second side, Rock and Roll Doctor and Dirty Women are pretty good. I, I can't say the second half, but she's gone, and all moving parts are stupid. So, um, anyway, uh, what's yeah, Living for Today on? Is that on Technical Ecstasy? Or no, never say that's die. On, um, Sabbath, no. bloody Sabbath. Yeah. Okay. I think so. It's either that or sabotage. It's 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 after four, but it's not on technical SC. It's not okay. on never say die. Um, looking for today. Looking for today. Yeah, yeah that right. song I can't stand. I yeah, think I actually sucks. put that in, in as a this song sucks. I think yeah, I for my for my this week my song is living for today. Black Sabbath. <laughs> I thought I already did that one week. <laughs> But that song does get on my nerves. Looking for the day. Yeah, that's for right. Day. Like, oh my God, shut up. It's it almost sucks. as bad. It's almost as bad. Almost <laughs> as bad as Heaven Can Wait by Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, right. That that one sucks. Jesus. It sounds like uh, the, the Lollipop Guild from fucking The, the, the Wizard of Oz. Whoa. Whoa, 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 we're going on a sea shanty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm changing my pick. It's gone from changes to heaven can wait <laughs> because heaven can wait is far worse than changes by Black Sabbath. Heaven can wait sucks. Changes yeah. is not I used to very like good. That but song too. I used to like heaven can wait because you know what the I like the 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 intro and the verses and then that whole chorus part and the whoa whoa woes are just like no 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 she shanty 
What's worse than heaven can wait, Pat? Is he talking about changes? I think he is. All right, wait, no, no, no. All right, Jerry's wrong here. I like great expectations. I like great expectations yeah. too. I mean, the song itself is kind of silly when you think about it, but it's orchestrated well, and really, it's not a Kiss song. It's a Bob Ezrin song. I like the demo where Gene says their names in it. Yeah, and you watch, watch Ace what? playing guitar. <laughs> And you see what Ace's hands can do. Which isn't much. No. And you wish that I was the one he was doing it to. <laughs> All right. So what's your this song sucks? So again, I'm gonna go shitty band, shitty song. Okay. And I and I almost feel like I've picked this one before. Because I heard it on the way home today and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna bring this up on the show. And then right as we were talking about doing this segment, I was like, I feel like I may have picked this song already, but it still sucks and it's still bad and there's still a shitty band. Dirty Little Mind by Jackal. I'm gonna agree just because I don't like Jackal. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean they a guy plays chainsaw in the band. Lead chainsaw. Lead chainsaw. You know, like there's a rhythm chainsaw. That's yeah, good. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah, the lumberjack's pretty bad too. Is the lumberjack worse than Dirty Little Mind? They're all bad. It's Jackal. <laughs> right. They're all bad. <laughs> so you you are you are right. Shitty band. Shitty, Shitty song. song. Rock me, roll me, jackal me off. Oh, my Lord. That's their yeah. shirt. Wow. I, I know this because, Mike, I can't believe you weren't there, actually. Check out, listen to this, Bill. This was a NAM showcase one year. Why it would was, you? All right, first of all, immediately, without even hearing who it is, why is it Mike? I can't believe you weren't there. Uh, because we probably left La Casa Garcia to go to this showcase. That's why. Wayne Static jackal testament i was there were you yeah i was okay then i must have been there with you because it was fucking awful remember they had the, the shirt rock me roll me jackal I, me no, off. i don't remember that i remember watching wayne and i watched part of testament i didn't watch most of the show because somebody I was busy else talking was on that bob. bill too yeah right yeah, the, we you know, we were all busy talking like in the lobby hanging out with bob uh, bob uh bob tyrell our good friend bob tyrell who still has not come on this show he keeps saying he's gonna do it though oh, oh i don't know bro uh, i can't do it next week but like maybe the week. maybe the week after you know i was gonna do the show this week and then uh my beard got in the way <laughs> i don't know bro i don't, I don't know maria <laughs> Who else was on, there was somebody else on that bill though between right, testament this, and jackal this sounds like a porn movie jim, jim dandy. dandy sucks black oak Arkansas. <laughs> it does sound like a porn movie but he's still right <laughs> jim dandy does suck by black oak arkansas it's not like jim dandy like the song from the 50s redone like jim dandy to the rescue. That yes it is it is that so it's yeah. a cover yes but he's jim dandy the guy from Black Oak, Arkansas, he's Jim Dandy. Oh, so what? <laughs> Jim Dandy to the rescue. Yep. Well, Jim Dandy sucks Black Oak, Arkansas. So there's that. Tommy Aldridge on drums. Yes. On that. Yes. Yes. That actually sounds strangely racist, too. <laughs> Jim Dandy sucks Black Oak, Arkansas. <laughs> And Jerry, it's not bad punctuation. It was no punctuation. Like this, is just, this is just one long sentence. Uh, yeah, there you go. 
All right. Well, that's that. What about Jim Jerry? What about uh, Jim Dandy sucks black magic? (laughs) All right. This this is now turned into Roth did steal his look. He's right about that. David Lee Roth totally lifted everything from Jim Dandy from Black Oak, Arkansas. I think he's actually referenced that, too, or it's been referenced to him. But who did it better, as you would say? Yes, that's true. You know. Um, I brought up David Lee Roth last night on another show that I do for, for where I work. And I brought up David Lee Roth and I said, you know, like, well, when he sang such and such and somebody wrote, he sung. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Oh yeah. Well, in the first two albums he did, which by the way, I am super stoked. I won. I got, I got a crow about this one. Yeah. So, uh, again, those of you that watch know that, you know, we, you know, Nick and I are part of like auction groups on Facebook for vinyl and things of that nature where they raffle off albums and things of that nature. Although and, I've never won anything. And yeah, but you don't go in enough. Cause I I'm, I'm picky. All right, there you go. Well, I won, I just won today Van Halen two. Now that in and of itself doesn't sound all that great. It is an immaculate original copy from England with the hype sticker on the front and a poster and the poster only came with like the first maybe thousand copies and at that not even every store got those so uh, and it's in immaculate condition it looked, I mean, it looked brand new in the it, photos yeah i mean you wouldn't know that this was 40 a 45 year old record like i cannot wait to get this i am so stoked and i'm sure it'll probably actually sound pretty good so uh really looking forward to that hey have speaking of has have you heard any updates from mofi about those first six van halen records i got an email from mofi or music direct one of them they're one and the same but they have they 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 advertise differently and it said that they were coming soon which usually when they tell you it's like the last one i got that was coming soon was that elvis from memphis one step okay and that started shipping the week of record store day and i want to say i got the coming soon like maybe six weeks prior so i feel like maybe so vh1 is probably like july 1st is that what we're probably thinking well what i hear i hear that they're trying to roll all of them out within like 30 or 45 days of each other that would be well besides making me broke right uh would be awesome now for those of you that the uninitiated mobile fidelity sound labs they put out these really awesome pressings of albums great reproductions they do them as box sets a lot of the time as mini box sets or whatever you want to call it uh, with uh really nice cover stock cardstock covers they do them as what they call a one-step which is not really a one step, but it's a one step. Really a two step. But- it's really a two step now because they call it, they can't go back and call it a two step because that would sound stupid. But essentially, they take from the original masters. They they print the 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 um the 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 things the things the records. The, no, no the 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 thing that they the the lacquers from the yes. from the original masters. Except now that it was found out that it went through a digital process first. It was supposed to be analog, 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 and it's not. Uh, but it's okay. So they do this and they they cut it at a half speed, which means that it keeps more of the detail in the groove. And then they do it. It plays back at 45 RPM, which gives you better sonic fidelity. And these are some of the best sounding versions of these albums that they make. And they announced well over a year ago that they were going to do the the David Lee Roth era. All of them. All of them, yep. all the David Lee Roth era Van Halen albums from one through 1984. So it's been a while and we've been watching this and I really want fair warning. Yeah, that's, that's really, I want. I want one, two fair warning and uh, 
um, 84. Yeah. Those, if I had to name four of them, well, I would probably want two women and children first. Fair yeah, women and children. I really, I just want everything except Diver Down. Yeah, that one better be the cheaper of all of them because that one's not going to sell all that well. Yeah, I hope they're not. Care. I hope they're not making as many copies. You watch in five years, Diver Down's going to be an eight hundred dollar one step because they oh, only I, made five hundred of them. I'll buy it. I just won't open it. <laughs> and that way, when it is eight hundred dollars, I could put a down payment on a car or something. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, well, but anyways, I think I think the first three will come in about a month, and then they'll do the next three about a month after that. And they're about a buck and a quarter each. Oh, they're so, more than that now. I think 150? they're 140, 140 or 150. Yeah, because it's a two LP set. We oh, yeah, just got right, yeah. in the store. We just got um, Paul Simon. There goes Ryman Simon. That's mm. 145 tag price. So yep. So they'll be 150. Yep. yep all right cool well there's your update on that for those of you that were wondering all right we still have 12 people watching this is cool all right thank you all 12 of you thank you for anybody that is no longer here that watched my name is mike that is nick nick what store do you own rock city music company wait what was that again rock city music company there it is and where are you located five mile in farmington in livonia michigan oh really yeah you know what i forgot there we go i got a gotta have the jingle playing as we do this and where can we find you rockcitymusicco.com like it says right there or on any social media platform that's a lighter the, all right blackberry smoke great when are they back from tour uh i'm gonna see them this week and they're then playing? they'll be back next yeah they're well they're playing uh just outside of nashville <sighs> well we and gotta I'll get that, seeing them. gotta get your drummer friend on the show yeah, we got to get Brit on or yep. or uh, Charlie Star. Well, well, b- 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 both. Well, yeah, I'd like we should we should get them all on. That would be fun. Yeah, I don't, well, actually, I could do ten squares here. There we go. I we could do ten squares. Maybe when I see them, I'll try and convince them all to come on. That'd be crazy. We could have a giant Van Halen argument because that's always what happens when I see them in person. Oh, well, do they like dreams? Uh, one of them does. Okay, well, there you go. There's the fight. I'll get Rob, I'll get Sailor from Yachtly Crew on, and then everybody can go. Cool, guys. Thank you so much. Peace out. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye.